Hello, Gary Williams here. Welcome to my In Conversation podcast, a mishmash of chit-chats with friends and influencers across the world. Now, a few years ago, I was hosting a UK radio show where each guest would choose four songs and tell me why they were important to them. Now, due to music copyright issues, I can't share any of that music with you here just the conversation. So the music's gone, which might sound a bit weird sometimes, but I think it's still worth listening to what these great guests had to say. Enjoy. In Conversation with Gary Williams. like On Safari and Surprise Surprise with Cilla Black. He's gone from being voted the most hated man on television to winning I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Christopher Biggins, welcome to In Conversation. It's lovely to be here, it really is. It's very so, good. So, so, it's quite a, a gamut there, isn't there, of, <laughs> yes. you know, most hated to most loved. I mean, it's extraordinary. And what's most extraordinary to me is that you as well as sort of sleeping with 200 rats and eating (laughs) kangaroo penis and testicles, you had live cockroaches in your mouth. What's the worst thing you've had in your mouth since then? Uh, I couldn't possibly tell you. Uh, And as I said at the time, uh, when I did put the kangaroo's penis into my mouth and started chewing, I've had worse (laughs) things in my mouth, which they actually put out on ITV. But, um, no, I mean, it was... uh, If people say what is... I've had such a varied career, done so many wonderful things, but if people say to me, what is your greatest moment of your career? I have to say, because it was, the jungle. I mean, you know, Celebrity Get Me Out of Here is the best thing I've ever done. But and why? Because you've you've had, really have, a, 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 a stellar career of doing I a have. lot of things that people might not be aware of and a lot of yeah. television, a lot of acting stuff uh, and some really serious roles. I know. And yet, for you, the highlight... Well, because I think what was so strange about it was the whole thing about, you know... Uh, Going into it, first of all, because Ant and Deck had always wanted me to go in, so eventually they asked me early enough, so I had to turn down pantomime, and people couldn't understand why I wasn't going to do pantomime that year, because you're not allowed to say anything. So uh, accepting it, and then doing it, having a ball doing it, and winning it. I mean, I thought, you know, the best scenario was me coming fourth out of it, because I thought, you know, that would be great, but to win it was extraordinary. And I was up against, at the final, up against the awful Janice Dickinson, who was vile and hideous and... Oh, I she can't... She speaks so well of you. Yes, but, well, she does speak well of me, I know. But, I mean, <laughs> it was a horrible experience. Um, and I honestly believe that she was going to win. And so did she. She thought she was going to win. So when they announced, and I said to the producer afterwards, was there much in it? She said, oh, my God, you were absolutely way ahead of her vote-wise. So it was, it was wonderful. And, you know, to find... At the age of 60, the love and affection of the whole country, it was fantastic. It's, it's such a change, isn't it, a, a, a mark of how life and perception has changed in, in this country. When you started out in your career, it, that there was a feeling that, I mean, to be out and gay would be... It was almost as bad as sort of being a paedophile Oh, or I something. mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, of course, in my early days, too, I did so much children's television, like On Safari and Rent-A-Ghost. So you had to be very careful. I've never hidden, ever, my sexuality... 
but you had to be very, very careful because you were, you're just what you just said. If you were gay, you were considered to be a paedophile. And how gratifying that now, that, you know, you're voted one of Britain's best-loved entertainers. I know. I mean, that that is really wonderful. And I, I don't think ITV have ever had, at the end of a show like that, uh, a gay kiss from Neil, my partner, uh, or both of us on the, on the, you know, the, the bridge. I mean, it was just fantastic, and there was a lot of great response from that. Sadly, I do a lot of charity work for Stonewall, and we're still in a negative situation as far as homosexuality is concerned. There's still a lot of bullying, there's still a lot of prejudice against young people, and that is something we have to work at and, and keep doing things for because you know it, it in 2016 it's not possible surely that we can have prejudices against people who have a certain sexuality and want to live their life that way you got a bit of flack from gay rights supporters yourself for coming out as against gay marriage absolutely even though you have a civil partner yeah with, a with civil Neil. partnerships were absolutely fantastic and it changed the life of gay people. I mean, it was just wonderful. I mean, there was uh, a wonderful example of uh, the brilliant actor Nigel Hawthorne, who, this was before uh, Civil Partnerships came out, and he and his partner Trevor had the most beautiful house in the country. But he was diagnosed with cancer and given a year to live, which he, he did, in fact, die at the end of the year. And in order for there to be enough money for Trevor to have kept their home... That's all. Just keep their home. He had to go to Hollywood and absolutely had a hideous year working with Arnold Schwarzenegger and people like that in order to raise enough money so that they, they wouldn't have to lose their house. So, thankfully, all that is gone. I only worry... And, listen, if people want to get married, uh, that's fine. But I only worry, you know, that we're, we're not going to have uh, gay men and women going down the aisle in white you know, white dresses and, uh, you know, with veils and things, you know, because I, I do think it's very much a sort of thing for heterosexuals. We do have civil partnerships. And I think, funnily enough, civil partnerships should be for straight people, which I don't think is, is allowed at the moment. But I do think that people... Civil partnership is a brilliant way of being exactly like everyone else and getting all the same perks as everyone else does. Because friend of mine said the whole point of being gay is that you don't have to be like everybody else. <laughs> well, that is very, very true indeed. That is true. I mean, we're very lucky. I mean, we live a charmed life. And because we don't have... Mind you, people want ch gay people want p children now. But because we don't have children, with the pink pound is very strong in our hands, we can do all sorts of things. I mean, I have so many godchildren and so many parents that I know who how they pay the school fees forever I mean you know it's millions and millions you thought of about um, having kids yourself with oh no I mean the only way I could have kids is that I'd have to be a multi-billionaire I'd have to have a house with a wing where the child stayed all day and I see them at six o'clock at night and said how are you what have you done and good night I think you'd be a terrible parent by the terrible. time terrible <laughs> I adore children I love children and as I say I've got lots of um uh, Godchildren, and I love them, but it's lovely to go see them and then go home. I first became aware of you, well, it was really with Scylla Black on Surprise, Surprise, and she was a, a dear friend of yours, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she was. I mean, I still, I still to this day think, oh, I must ring Scylla and tell her something. And in fact, it's her birthday tomorrow. 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, she, I'm, I'm pleased she went the way she did because she would have been a very bad patient because she had no patience as far as being ill was concerned. And she was getting a little doddery. She was, her hearing was bad, her sight was bad, all sorts of things were going wrong. And so, in a way, it was a brilliant way for her to go. I miss her terribly, and uh, I know a lot of people do too. I mean, you, know, you worked with her for, for a long time, and a lot of people have, have told me that she was quite tricky to work with. What was your experience, and why, why was she? Well, I think, you know, I mean, I always give a, a better example um, uh, of um, being difficult is Michael Crawford. I come back to Silla, but Michael Crawford was always difficult because he was a perfectionist mm. and he wanted everything to be absolutely spot on. So if it wasn't, he would be difficult about it and quite right too, you know, because it was always befell to him that he was the star of the show and so the whole show had to be wonderful and he made it wonderful. He wanted everybody to be working to his standards. Exactly, and so that's where he had that, got that uh, tag like of being Streisand. difficult. And Streisand, a lot of people, because they are perfectionists. And c certainly, I mean, you know, I did hear things about Scylla, but I never found it. We got on from day one. The moment I met her, we were instant friends and remained so until she died. Uh, and, you know, I went through a lot with her, her family and, and Bobby's death and uh, her coming out of that. I mean, she was a great, great woman. And I, I remember when Alan Boyd, who was the producer of uh, on surprise surprise came to me and asked me to do the job I came up to I was doing a pantomime in Newcastle and he came took me out for dinner and he said I want you to do this um, weekend show and it's a big extravaganza blah de blah and I said oh how lovely and then he said but you haven't asked who your co-star is and I said oh who is my co-star and he said Scylla Black and I went I, got, I, mean, I screamed I think I mean it was so exciting because I, I mean, she was a huge, huge star in my eyes because I've been brought up on her music. You're listening to In Conversation with Gary Williams. The best in music and conversation. This is Gary Williams In Conversation with Christopher Biggins. We have something in common. We were both born in the north. In, well, I, I was born in Royton, old, outside Oldham. Royton. Royton. And where were you? Well, Grimsby, which Grimsby. is almost as glamorous. Yeah, oh, very you, glamorous. You, you didn't spend much time there, though, did no, you? My mother hated it, so within three <laughs> weeks I managed to get pneumonia, which I'm still suffering from to this day, because it, what it did, it, it put a scar on my lung, and I, I, te I suffer terribly from having a bad cough, and I put it down to that time. But anyway... So my mother hated it, so uh, older, so we came down in a Pickford's lorry. I was wrapped in cotton wool, and I'm still allergic to cotton wool to this day. I can't bear the feel of it. And uh, we came and, and moved down to Salisbury, where I was brought up. And uh, I've heard you reminiscing about, as a young man, going out shopping with your mum in a full-length caftan. I know. I mean, I was hideous. I mean, I must have been a hideous child. And uh, I mean, she'd either walk in front of me or walk behind me, but never with me. So probably one day when you said, I've got something to tell you, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm, I might be gay, she, she was probably not at all shocked. Well, we, funny you should say that. It's a very interesting topic because I've never, ever... My father sadly died eight years ago. My mother's still alive, 92. 
And we've never, ever sat down and discussed my sexuality. But they've met by boyfriends. They've met various people in my life. They, they would have met your wife, your first... They would have partner. met my wife because B, uh, Aston and I were in um, a show called The Owl and the Pussycat Went to See, S-double-E, dot, 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 dot. So, yes, they would have done. So they knew everything, but I never actually... So it was probably when you got actually married... That was probably the shock for them, having been walking around town with you. Yes, in, in I a think I did, we never, but we never discussed anything like that. It was quite interesting, you know. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether I think I'm quite pleased it was never discussed in a way because I think I probably would have been a bit embarrassed. But anyway, and, and probably she would have been even more embarrassed. Yes, I think she was, but she knows and she loves Neil, my partner at the moment, and, you know, so she's always asking after him. I mean, she's very funny. She sadly had, has terrible arthritis and can't move and is restricted to a wheelchair, but her brain is there. And the other day I said, I'm coming to take you out for lunch on Thursday. She said, oh, let's let me say, how will I get there? So I said, well, I'll tell the home to get you a, a taxi. She said, I don't live in a home. I live in a residence. <laughs> I can see where you get it from. Yeah, exactly, now. exactly. Uh, tell me about your next record, Shirley Bassey. Yeah, well, Shirley Bassey, I think, is just fantastic. And I went to Shirley's... I've got to get this right now. How old is Shirley now, do you know? We don't discuss Shirley Bassey's age. I think she. I think it was her 60th I went to. And I was brought her down, because she's... Um, she's December the 15th, I think, and I'm December the 16th, birthday-wise. I'm the 15th. Are you the 15th yeah. of December? No, really. Well, we're all the same, all Sagittarians. And I brought her down the stairs, dressed as Father Christmas, and everyone... She was, or you were? No, I was, and brought her down. Everybody was uh, absolutely, you know, thrilled and uh, what were happy, but they didn't know who I was. And then I took my beard off, and, of course, they all went mad because they realised who I was. And we had a great party, and I've known her for years and years and years. And when I had my 60th, which was shortly after... She must have been older. But anyway, I can't remember how old it was. When I had my 60th, I couldn't afford Shirley Bassey to do cabaret. So I got the lookalike from Birmingham. And I had... The room was full of stars. And everybody, including Joan Collins, thought it was the real uh, the real uh, Shirley Bassey. It was, we fooled them brilliantly. And she was wonderful, this girl. But... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of Shirley. You do like a good party, don't you? I do. In fact, funny enough, when I uh, had my 60th birthday party, it was uh, a small affair. It was 400 people. With your closest friends. Uh, my closest friends at the Landmark Hotel. And uh, we had this wonderful reception and dinner. And as if people were sitting down for dinner, the, the, I had her singing the Shirley Bassey lookalike offstage, let's get this party started. So everyone was aware. That, and then she walked in. And it was a it was a wonderful moment. Your list of sort of showbiz friends is 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 endless, isn't it? As well as Shirley Bassey and Scylla Black, you you know a lot of the royal family. You're on quite friendly terms with them. Elton John, Barbara Windsor, of course, Mick Jagger, yeah. Jeremy Irons. You go back a long way with him, don't you? Um, and also Frank Sinatra. You had dinner with him. Well, that's all through. I mean, last night I was with. Uh, it was Joan Collins's birthday, so we had a, a dinner for her and um, eight of us. And uh, I was saying at the dinner last night, what is so wonderful about Joan is she is so free with her friends. So I'm in Los Angeles staying with Joan and um, a woman... How long ago are we talking? Oh, we're talking 35 years ago, I suppose. 
And a woman who was considered then to be the queen of Hollywood and her husband, the king, um, they were called Barbara and Marvin Davis. He was a billionaire oil man and he knew everybody. And uh, she rang me, Barbara. Obviously, Joan had said, oh, we've got a guest staying. Can he come? And she said, I will ask him. So she rang up and she said, Christopher, we're having a 97th birthday party for George Burns. Would you like to come? So I said, thank you very much, Barbara. I'd love to come. I put the phone down, went round screaming round the apartment. And they had the, uh, there were a hundred of us, ten tables of ten, in the foyer of their house. And um, every, every table had a star on it, or stars. I mean, it was extraordinary. My table was me, Shakira Kane, who I knew, Frank Sinatra... The hostess, George Burns, a woman, Sid Lawrence of Sid Lawrence and Edie Gourmet, and the daughter... Stevie Lawrence. What? Stevie Lawrence. Stevie Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the daughters of the hostess, and Dan Aykroyd. And Dan Aykroyd said to me, pinch yourself, Biggins, you don't often get nights like this. Well, George Burns was just fabulous, and we were very lucky because we could hear all the jokes he was saying. No-one else could on the table, and it was very, very exciting. But I thought, if my mother... If Pam could see me now, next to one away from Frank Sinatra, so I called him Sir, and I called him Mr. Sinatra, and eventually he said to me, Christopher, call me Frank. So I thought, well, I can't let this moment go by. I said, about eight years ago, Frank, in London, I played Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls, and he said, do you know, Christopher, so did I. And I thought, that's it, now I can <laughs> die and go to heaven. I mean, it was great. And then he said to me afterwards, he said, will you come out in the corridor with me? And I thought, my God, he's going to kill me. So I went out into the corridor and he wanted a cigarette and his wife, wouldn't, Barbara, wouldn't let him smoke, so I had to stand guard and we talked. I mean, it was so, so exciting. Sinatra's personal bodyguard. I was Sinatra's personal bodyguard. Christopher Biggins, who would have guessed it? For that night, it was wonderful. All this partying, all this great fun that you have, it costs a lot of money, doesn't it? And, and you're probably not the best person at controlling your spending. No, no, terrible. I mean, uh, absolutely <laughs> You're not terrible. embarrassed at all about it. No, no, no. I mean, I, uh, you know, I live the life of a millionaire <laughs> because I have so many millionaire friends and I'm very lucky. You must be loaded. I mean, you're always on the table. No, tent, I'm not loaded at all. I mean, I have... I have a very nice house, a beautiful house, and we've just last year, I had a very good year, and so we've had it all, new doors, new windows, it was 30 years old, the house, new doors, new windows, new roof, solar panels put in, a new bedroom, a new kitchen, it's now set for the next 30 years, so I'm set up, and we have a little apartment uh, opposite the Olympic Stadium, uh, which is rented out, that's my pension, and so that is... What, what we have, and we, you know, and I'm trying to cut, not cut back, but I'm trying to live as I think I can live as I'm getting older. So, you know, I don't, for instance, I don't want to work as much. In the last two years, I've lost over 50 close friends. And I put that down to getting older myself and also having too many friends. So I, I just feel that life is very, very important and to be lived. So we go on a lot of holidays, we do a lot of travelling, we see all our friends, because you never know what's going to happen round the corner. Do you think you've got the balance 
right, or are you still working on that? No, 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 I think the balance is absolutely right. Um, Neil works for British Airways, and he would love to leave it because it's not the airline it used to, it was, and I won't let him because he's got to wait till his pension. So I'm just thinking of making my life as comfortable as possible uh, because I don't want to act anymore. I find acting very boring. I don't. I hate learning lines. So I, I'm very happy to have autocue in my life. I mean, I thought I'd like autocue now as I was speaking to you, uh, but you wouldn't, couldn't afford it. Uh, but, you know, I just love presenting. I've done a lot. Uh, last week I was uh, presenting the Care Awards in Birmingham. Um, next week I'm doing the Travel Awards in London. So I love doing things you like that. You get paid for this. this is, oh, yes, it's, it's a, all salary. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's enough of that sort of work. And pantomime, which has been a great earner for me, especially since the jungle, I found, I was in uh, Nottingham last year at the gorgeous Theatre Royal doing Aladdin, starring in the in the pantomime. It was the biggest hit they've ever had. That We broke all box office records. I got the best notices I've ever had. I had wonderful costumes. And I was shagged. I was shattered. I can't I tell you. How many shows do you do? 12, 12 a week, 12 shows a week. But if you're the dame... And you're playing the lead, you're on all the time, and then when you're off, you're changing into one of your 13 costumes. So it was exhausting. And this year, Nick Thomas, great friend of mine, who is my producer at Kudos, who I did the pantomime for, we discussed going to a theatre, which I said, oh, you know, I'm not too sure about it. And he said, no, I think you're right. You're right not to be too sure. Why don't you take a sabbatical this year? And then, because I'd wished that I'd made that my final performance in Nottingham, because it was such a high. And I, I'm now going to do, in 2017 stroke 2018, my final pantomime and retire from pantomime that year. So, uh, but this That's year, no pantomime. Big year. I mean, you've been a, a fixture of the pantomime scene for so long. 40 years, nearly. Do you think you can retire? Leave that Oh, behind? yes, easily. I mean, this year, I can't believe I'm not going to do pantomime. I mean, it's going to be, be wonderful. such a high that you get from... I mean, all right, it's 12 <coughs> shows a week, but that's a many, many thousands of people, 20 or thousand people a week, shouting, screaming and applauding Oh, yes, you. no, no, I mean, wonderful. Can you, can you live without that attention? Yes, because I've had it for, tw- uh, for 40 years and I've loved it. And I abs- a pantomime to me is very, very important. But are you um, someone that could... You know, can you walk into a restaurant and and are happy to be anonymous, or do you like that sort oh, of? Oh, I bit know. Of I love being recognised. I mean, I I love you know, people coming up to me, and I'm very much a people person. I love all of that. You never get bothered if someone interrupts you during a meal, or well, I think that's a little rude if you're in the middle of a meal. But I certainly don't mind being interrupted. I mean, the other night I told you I was in Birmingham hosting the Care Awards, and there were 800 people, and I must have had 800 self. Because, you know, people... And I, I'm absolutely... That's why I'm there. That's why I'm paid for. Is could to go you there. live without that? Yes, easily. I could easily live that. I mean, I'm now addicted to television. I love American television. My, I mean, I've just had the new Skyblox put in queue, which is absolutely marvellous because you can record four programmes at the same time, which is 
wonderful and then watch a fifth. But why it's so wonderful is every programme you want to watch is on at nine o'clock. <laughs> so it, now, and then you can transfer things onto your iPad and watch them when you're on a train or if you're in a car or if you're on an aeroplane. What's the show that we should be watching now? What well, I mean, uh, but prior to me coming here this morning, I mean, I watch an hour of television at night when I get in and I watch an hour during breakfast. Uh, Neil goes mad. You never speak to your partner. No, we never speak. We never speak. To... No, no, we do. Of course we do. Just but, watch telly. Yeah, well, you know, Neil, when, if Neil comes in uh, uh, to the breakfast room and uh, sees him watching telly, he said, off. So I switched off. But this morning I watched a wonderful series called Blind Spot, which is very, very good on Sky Atlantic. There's My favourite is The Good Wife, which sadly is coming to an end. And uh, there's uh, Madam uh, Secretary, which is wonderful. Uh, there are some wonderful... Wonderful television. So we've got Billions, uh, which is just... Damien Lewis has just come out. I mean, there are some very, very good... And also, what is interesting is British television is becoming very, very good. We've, we've just had In Line of Duty, which was a corrupt police drama, which I think is probably the best drama I've ever seen in my life. And if it doesn't it next year win all the awards, there's something very wrong. So it's very exciting at the moment, drama. If you could go back and sort of <coughs> talk to your younger self with all the benefit of your life experience, what would you tell yourself? I wouldn't change a bit of my life that I've had. I've had such a good time. I've met wonderful people. I've done some fantastic work. I'm still doing fantastic work. I mean, I did a uh, a programme the other day which is about going to a, uh, a lock-up and uh, you have to bid on the contents of the of the lockup. It's, it's on Dave Television, and I re- we we were had so much fun. It was really Johnny Vegas. Uh, uh, it was a great group of people. And this morning on the way here, I had an email from the uh, to my agent, and my agent sent it to me from the producers saying how much fun they'd had. So I'm still having fun doing things, and it's a it's a wonderful life. Anything. Left to do? Are you still ambitious? No, I used to be ambitious, and I mean, I certainly don't. You won't be seeing me give of my Lear or my Hamlet or anything like that because I'm bored with Shakespeare, um, and so I won't be doing that. The only thing I did have was that I would, because I've loved directing, and I would like to do some more directing. But I would love one day to direct a movie, but because I love movies, but I don't think that will happen now. So I, the answer to that is probably no. The ambition I have is to live a happy life with Neil and just do whatever I want to and enjoy myself. You've been a fan, I know, and a friend for a long time of Cliff Richard. And your last record choice is Summer Holiday. I did Summer Holiday, uh, a stage production of it years ago, and uh, I loved it. And Cliff has been a friend of mine for years and years and years. And What's it's going on with all this police? Oh, it saddens me. It saddens me so much. I mean, I think the police, because they mucked up so badly with Jimmy Savile, I think they feel they've got to do something. And what, how the way they've treated Cliff is just terrible. I mean, you know, Cliff is one of the most upstanding, uh, gentle, kind, um, talented men I know, and he's been treated appallingly. And I don't know what's going to happen. We. Certainly the end of it is not uh, in in view and I think this could drag on for a little bit longer and I think it's awful. Must be a real 
cloud over his. It is, and I, I don't. I don't think he looks well on it either. I think he's, you know, I think he's suffering. He's lost a lot of weight. He doesn't like coming to this country. So, it's. It, I think he feels let down, which I think he has been let down. And you know, it's it's just going on. And I think you know, if it was to finish and to get rid of it, it would be wonderful. And he doesn't deserve this at all. Do you think he has the support of the the country? Well, he does. I mean, I went to his uh, his birthday celebrations at the Albert Hall, and he did a week there. And you know the Albert Hall. I mean, it's a great venue. It's a huge venue. And he packed it out, and all the fans loved him, as did all his friends. And it's probably changed a lot of people's perception of the police, this whole thing. I think it has. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned in Line of Duty uh, this corrupt police series, you know, and it makes you think, well, you know, policemen are just like us. It's like royalty, really. They're no different. We're all, you know, made up of the same fibres. We all have the same brains. We, we're all very, very similar. And yet there's a sort of them and us approach I mean, to the police. Do, do you, would you say that you, you trust the police? I certainly do trust a lot of the police, and there's a lot of the police I don't trust. Because you're, you're sort of... You're sort of a fan of, of the establishment, in a sense. I mean, you were a big fan of Margaret Thatcher's as well. Oh, so my to, goodness, yes. To, to sort of say... <clears throat> it probably feels a, a sort of tinge of, of guilt to say that you don't trust all the police. No, the I don't think so at all, because I think, you know, it's like society. There are good people and there are bad people, and there are certainly a lot of good people in the police and certainly a lot of bad people in the police, and I think that's the problem. And I don't think you'll ever get that, because everybody is very different. I think to this whole affair with Cliff, I mean, he's, he's had so many hits and so much great music. So you were performing some of his songs... In the show? Yeah, we were. I mean, The Summer Holiday was based on the, the film, the Cliff Richard film, so it was a great was a show. success, wasn't it? Yeah, and the show was a great, great success. I mean, it really was. And uh, it was wonderful to go and do it with, you know, it's just full of brilliant songs and great, great fun. And, you know, Cliff has given so much to this country and I think, you know, it's, it's taking the toll on him that what's happening... Well, let's hope that it all blows over Absolutely. and we can carry on enjoying his great talent and his concerts and great music like some holiday. Christopher exactly. Biggins, thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch and hear more interviews just like this one, head over to my website, garywilliams.co.uk.